0: My name is graven on his head. My name is written on his heart I know that while in heaven he stands No tongue can bid me thence depart In our songs this morning and uh Brother Ken, for that wonderful uh, communion thought, as well as uh, your Bible class this morning, as we talked about what it means to be a man. So we thank you for that class this morning. Wanna say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord, amen. Uh, If you're visiting with us for the first time, we wanna let you know that you are our honored guest, and we believe you've come to the right place because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. and We also want to let you know that you're always, always welcome here whenever the doors are open and we'd love to get you plugged into a number of our ministries here. We've got youth ministries going on, we've got uh, women's and men's ministries, we've got service-oriented ministries, so feel free to come here and get plugged in. We'd love to have you as a member of our church here. I'm telling you, it's a great place to be. Um, Can you believe that it's March already. So what I want to do is see how well all of you are doing with your New Year's resolutions, okay? Not not, not really. Hopefully you've been able to stick to them and you've already lost that 10 pounds that you were looking to lose and uh, you were doing all the things and carried out everything that you intended to do uh, this New Year. But it's March already and Easter is only three weeks Away. And our young people are very busy working really hard to get ready for LTC, Leadership Training for Christ, as they head out to Tucson, Arizona. And I want to give a special shout out and a thank you to everyone who's been working so diligently to get our young ones prepared for this event as I understand it, this is a great event for youth, and they really enjoy their time. So thank you to everybody here, and I wish I could go around the auditorium and, and pull you aside one-on-one to say thank you, but thank you so much for helping out our youth as they prepare for this. So as a preacher, I'm going to be transparent this morning, sometimes I have a hard time figuring out what to preach from week to week. And many of you are like, well, it's not that hard, all you got to do is open up the Bible and... and read something or talk about something. From, from time to time, preachers, we get, we get stumped, right? Because what do we do? Do we do this kind of like an expository sermon or this exegetical thought? Or, or how do we process all of this? And this month, I was really having a hard time. What are we going to talk about during the month of March, right? And you don't want to be so programmed that you don't leave room for the Holy Spirit to kind of guide you and direct you on what the Lord wants you to speak about, right? So I was really struggling through this and had a wonderful experience. Mark and I got to go over to one of our uh, church members' home, and we were talking to this individual about baptism, and it just dawned on me, right? There are very few times where God just comes so crystal clear to me, and his, his message to me is so crystal clear, but this is one of those times where I felt like God was just putting on my heart to talk about this subject material this material of baptism. And I know you Church of Christ people get fired up when we start talking about baptism. Amen. So we can spend a lot of time talking about baptism this morning. I wanted to do something, but I'm not going to do it. (laughs) What I wanted to do is I wanted to have everyone stand up who has been baptized into Jesus Christ. I'm not going to do that, okay? But I wanted to do it. And the reason why I wanted to do it is so that I could see the amount of people actually sitting down, right? So I can say to the people sitting down, do you know what you're missing out on? And why are you waiting? Why are you delaying? But I'm not going to do that this morning. So this whole month we're talking about baptism. And we're going to be asking and answering four very, very important questions about baptism. The first question is this, what is it, right? What is baptism? Second question is this, why do it? Why do we even do this thing called called baptism? Number three is this one, and this is a really big one, should I feel any different after I'm baptized, right? Because many of us have had experiences where we were baptized, we came out of the water hoping to have this wonderful come to Jesus moment, and it Wasn't that? It didn't feel that way. So should we feel any different? And then lastly, the last question is, what if dot dot dot? So I don't know if that's a question or a statement or... Anyway, what if dot dot dot? And what we're going to try to address is, what if you were baptized as an infant what if you were baptized when you were younger and you just kind of did it because your parents wanted you to do it? Or what if you got baptized because you wanted to marry this individual and they had a requirement that you had to be baptized in order to put a ring on it? You know, whatever. What is... <laughs> what if is the question that we want to spend some time on? So, and like I said, if there's one subject that we all know well as members of the Church of Christ, it's, it's baptism. However, if you notice, on any given Sunday at our church, we have a number of visitors uh, that come in and worship with us and may not have the same understanding about baptism that we do. And we also have a number of people who have come and actually placed membership at our church, but they were baptized in other faith traditions and they may have questions, so what I want to do during this series is just start off all on the same page and go back to the root understanding of baptism. And I've told you my story countless times. I'm one of these church kids that that grew up in the front pew at church. And when I say front pew, it was literally because my parents used to make us sit in front of them at church. I'm the oldest of six children, so we took up a whole pew when the Dardens came, right? And we used to have to sit in front, and if we acted up, my mom would pinch me on the back right here, or she would flick me in the back of the head, and you would hear the noise too, right? I was one of those church kids. And I remember being in the front and always hearing the gospel sermon, and and I wanted to get baptized even from an early age. I remember being five and six and asking about baptism, and my parents would say, hold off, and then I remember it so vividly. My grandpa came to our church, and he preached a sermon on a Sunday night, and I said, Mom and Dad, I want to be baptized. I was nine years old, and I was immersed into Christ at nine, and what I knew at nine is not what I know today, but what I knew at nine was enough, and what I knew was that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, and what I knew is that I wanted to give my life in service to the Lord, and I did that that day, and I haven't questioned it since now some of you may have different experiences than i but that was my experience when it came to baptism and i'm so thankful to the lord that i was able to do that at that age and i'm so proud of my daughter who was baptized just recently so i'm going to do my best to give you some greek now i didn't study greek i I went to seminary but i went the the track where you didn't have to study greek right um, so I, I didn't study Greek, but now I'm going to work on my doctorate, as many of you know, and now I'm going to be forced to take some Greek and Hebrew, okay? So I'm going to try to brush up on it a little bit. And you guys already know this. Baptism in the Greek is what? Baptizo, right? Am I right or wrong? Be- baptizo, right? That's the Greek translation of the word Uh, baptism, baptizo in the Greek, which basically means, and I may be wrong (laughs) because I didn't study Greek, but anyway, which basically means to wash or to cleanse. Baptizo in the Greek means to wash or cleanse. So when you think about baptism, basically what you're thinking about is cleaning something that has become defiled or dirty, And you know, God throughout the Scripture has always honored cleanliness. And you remember your mama used to say this, cleanliness is next to what? Oh, you guys know that, right? And I really like that statement because I think it's so true. We serve a God that is all about cleanliness. And the idea of cleansing oneself before they enter into the presence of God is not a new idea. Amen? You remember the story of Moses, when God called Moses in the wilderness, and he was speaking to Moses through a burning bush. And as Moses came up to the burning bush, you remember what God said to Moses, take your sandals off because you're walking on holy ground. You see, in order to enter into the presence of God, we have to be cleansed. And even in the Old Testament, God commanded or told his priests that were ministering before the Lord to make sure you wash before you enter into the temple to do any kind of business for me. And the priests who were clothed in these priestly garments had to make sure they were cleansed before they put their garments on. And what I learned from uh, Gary Marsh, which is really neat, is one of the things that they used in the Old Testament to cleanse themselves was this pool of water called a mikvah. Am I right, Gary? Yeah, I learned that from Gary. We're out at Denny's, and he brought this uh, Jewish material. And he said, Jason, I'm going to talk to you about a mikvah. And I didn't even know what that was. But it was this pool where they came together, and they cleansed themselves before entering into the temple. So this idea of cleansing had been around for a long long time. And that's why it says in Leviticus chapter 16 and verse number 4 on our first slide this morning, if you have your outlines, you can fill these in. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with the linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are the sacred garments, so he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. And the reason I share this verse is because now we just have this idea and this understanding that this concept of washing or cleansing oneself has been around for a long time, even within the Old Testament. But then we get to a very neat understanding of baptism, what is found in Luke chapter 3 and verse number 3, where God begins to change the definition of baptism just a little bit or really the idea of baptism and what he's really trying to say is in the same way we are to cleanse ourselves before we enter into the body of christ or the church and scripture says we are to be clothed with christ and in order to be clothed with christ we have to make sure we are cleansed so that we can be dressed in this righteousness of god and then we see this transition by john the baptist baptism had been taking place a long time in the Old Testament and God decided to use baptism as really a spiritual uh, symbol of cleanliness right so when John the Baptist came we know what he was doing in this passage verse number three he went into all the country around the Jordan preaching baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of of sin, So God used John the Baptist to carry out this new idea. Look, you're going to baptize people so that they can be forgiven or cleansed of their sins. He came and said baptism is for repentance. And if we were to define what repentance was, we would say that it's the stopping of an action that is contrary to the will of God. So that's what baptism helps us with. It also helps us with this idea of forgiveness of sin. And I don't know about you, but I am guilty of sin. I've lived in a lifestyle contrary to the will of God. And thanks be to God for baptism, because through baptism, I can repent of my sins and have my sins washed away and forgiven. And this was a new concept that the Jew at this time readily accepted. However, others did not accept it. And that's why Jesus said, you remember in Mark chapter 30 or 11 in verse number 30, when he was talking to the Jews, he said, let me ask you a question. The baptism of John, did it originate from man or from God? Which one was it? And remember, they couldn't give him answer, right? So this new idea of baptism as a symbolic form of forgiveness of sins was was a new concept, and many people accepted it and really enjoyed it. So, here we go. If you have your sermon outline in your bulletin, pull it out. And what I want to do this morning is I want to spend our time kind of fleshing out what a proper baptism looks like. So, I think the question on your outline is describe a proper baptism, okay? So, I'm going I'm to do my best to break some of these concepts down. And you guys are good Church of Christ folks, so you already know what the answers are, okay? But just bear with me, hopefully some of these things you hadn't considered before and maybe you can share these ideas with your friends. And let me make this clear. Since we're talking about baptism, this might be a good time to invite a friend or family member to church during the month of March, okay? Just, just thought, just thought, just an idea, okay? So what does a proper baptism look like? Well, number one, I believe that a proper baptism starts with a believer's baptism have you heard that concept before that idea before a believer's baptism okay i'm gonna have you do this by show of hands by show of hands how many of you were baptized as an infant raise your hand okay we've got a few here very good put them put them back down and let me guess what faith tradition you came out of let's see uh catholicism maybe wow look at that right (laughs) Believer's baptism. You know, every example that we see in the New Testament about baptism is from someone who confesses faith in Jesus Christ or intellectually can decide that they want to follow and submit to Jesus, right? So it takes a believer in Jesus Christ in order to be baptized. We don't believe in the concept of christening in the churches of Christ or infant baptism because a child can't really confess faith in Jesus Christ, right? All they know to do is to cry and to use the bathroom. Am I right about it? That's all they know to do. It'd be weird if Kingston said, yes, right now, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That'd be a special child, number one, already a special baby, but we know that that can't happen, right? So it's a believer's baptism. And then in the churches of Christ, we get into this whole conversation of, well, when can they really believe, right? Because you're not really mature until you turn about 9 or 12 or 13, right? But here's what I want uh, to say about this. Every example that we see in the New Testament of somebody being baptized, it's someone who had the capacity and the ability to believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And that's why I believe children are innocent. And also, here's my opinion, I also believe that the mentally ill who don't have the mental capabilities or the faculties are covered by God's grace as well. Now, that's my opinion. That's my opinion. But believer, a believer's baptism is proper baptism, in my opinion, all right? Point number two is this. What else? Full immersion in water. You know, the early Christians— uh, baptized people in large bodies of water. Remember, they were in the Jordan or, or in this pool or, or here or there, and it suggested that there was full immersion. People were going all the way down under the water and coming all the way back up. Now, you can see why this might become tiresome and problematic over time, because as you look at Scripture, Scripture says at some points 3,000 people were added to the church, right? Or it, the church grew from 3,000 to 5,000. Now, that's a lot of baptisms to conduct. And I can rem, uh, just imagine the preachers going, okay, I'm, I'm sick of doing all this. Here, just, uh, uh, right? I, I, I don't know if that's the case, right? What I read in Scripture is that the person was fully immersed and came fully out. So this idea of sprinkling or pouring, in my opinion, came a little while later. And I think the reason it originated in that sense is because, this is just my opinion, there might have been a little laziness, right? It's kind of, it's, it's a tough task to put them waiters on, isn't it, Ed? I mean, we do that, right? You got to go back there, and I'm really short, and them waiters are really long, so you got to go back there, put the thing on, and, and then you, every time I baptize, I get water all the way up my sleeve and down here, right? It'd be easy if I can just go like this. There you go. You're good. God bless, Right? but I don't think that's what God wants. I think it's a full immersion. And why do we say that? Well, because Scripture says baptism is like a burial. When's the last time you've seen someone buried where they just took some dirt and sprinkled it on the forehead? You would say, oh, this is not a complete task, right? Something's going on here, right? Scripture describes baptism as a burial, and when you baptize someone, they go all the way into the ground and they come out. But I think also we can take this to an extreme on the immersion side, right? Meaning if you have one body part out, you haven't been baptized. Let me tell you a story. I probably already told this. We got to tell again, right? I'm at my previous church in Sacramento, North Metro Church of Christ, which I love with all my heart. And if anybody from North Metro is watching, I love you guys, right? Um, and I was baptizing this late right? And I had, and our baptistry was up some stairs, so you had to climb up some stairs. And then at every Church of Christ baptistry, you know, there's a what on the back of the wall? A mural, right? You usually got some trees or some, the Jordan River or something like that, classic, right? So that's what we had at our church. I climb up these stairs and these other two ladies were there with the towels and the robe and I, and I get the lady in the water and I said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? She said, yes. I said, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as I was baptizing this lady, she got nervous when I was putting her under the water. And as I was putting her under, the, a leg kicked up. Ding, right? It just popped right up. All right? And I put her down and I brought her out. And I didn't think anything of it. I said, she went under the water, right? She's good. But these two sisters on the side, they said, nope, Jason, you need to do it again. A leg was out. I said, are you kidding me? And, and I thought they were joking. I said, ha, ha, you know how preachers laugh about stuff. Ha, ha, that's funny. They said, no, you need to do that again. That didn't count. He said, are you kidding me? So I did the whole spiel over and I did it again. Put her under. This time the big toe came out. I'm not joking. And I baptized this lady about three times that day to make sure that she was fully under the water. All right. So we take it to extremes sometimes, and you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You've experienced that if you've been in the Church of Christ long enough, right? Anyway, full immersion in water is what we see. Next, point number three, proper baptism involves it being administered by another disciple. I brag on my children so much because I think they're so special. I have Church of Christ. Uh, preachers' daughters, through and through. I remember when they were younger. I caught them one time baptizing each other in the pool. It was great. It, it, it was great. <laughs> Is he, uh, you know, was the center, I guess. And Alayla said, "I baptize you." I don't know if it was by choice or not, but they were baptizing each other. I thought it was, thought it was special. Um, but what we see typically is when it comes to baptism, baptism is done by another believer or disciple on, on someone else. And that's what we see throughout Scripture. You see a disciple baptizing another disciple. And I want to make this clear. You can't baptize yourself. You've heard people do that before. Yeah, I baptize myself in the tub. No, you, you can't. You can't. No. You can't do that. Just like you can't marry yourself. Yes, I was on an island, and my bride was there, and we said, I do before the Lord. That didn't count. Sorry. You can't marry yourself. You can't baptize yourself, right? This this is something that you have to have have another disciple administer, and also what I see throughout Scripture is we do see men throughout Scripture, but Scripture is, is filled with examples of men. But I, 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 this is my opinion. I might get in trouble. I, I don't have a problem with women baptizing. That, that's my opinion. That's, that's my opinion. Uh, but what we see throughout Scripture is it's done by another disciple. That's what I want to make clear. That's what we see throughout Scripture. Um, and also, when you're baptized, it doesn't mean you're baptized to show others that you're committed to God. That's not, that's not what it's about, but that's what we think it's about sometimes, right? I'm going to get baptized to show everybody here That I'm committed to the Lord, right? That's That's not necessarily what I see in Scripture. What I see when people are baptized, they have this moment where the Holy Spirit pricks their heart and they say, what do I need to do right now to get right with God? Not right with other people, right with God right now. And as a result of getting right with God right now, it does impact other people, right? But you're not baptized for other people. You're baptized for the Lord and your relationship with God. But it does have an impact on other people, and we do know that, okay? So we see it being administered by another disciple. And then lastly is this. You're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let me make this clear. You're not baptized into the church of Christ. That sounds weird because I'm using some ambiguous kind of language, and we might blame playing semantics just a little bit, right? But you're not baptized into a particular church or a particular denomination, you're baptized into the body of Christ, and there's only one church. That's it. There's only one church that belongs to the Lord. So when you're baptized, you're baptized into that. You're not baptized into the Mission VA whole church of Christ. Or the whatever Baptist Church or the Mormon church. That's not it. You're baptized into Christ. And the church of Jesus Christ is universal. And what I'm proud about when it comes to our church is that we don't try to re-baptize people when they come to our church. And I know this is a big theology in the Church of Christ, right? Am I right about it? If you've been around long enough, remember, you got to speak the Church of Christ language in order to pass the test to be fully accepted, right? But if we hear something might be off, the first thing that we're going to say is, have you been baptized? And the person may say, yeah, I was baptized in the Baptist church. And they go, uh-oh, we got to get this brother or sister in the water. Amen right? Or I was baptized in the Christian church. Nope, that won't do, right? It has to be this way. And I understand what people are saying when they say that, because what Church of Christ folks say and what we're learning is that, uh, and what we understand is that, uh, and this is old Church of Christ theology, they say you can't be taught wrong and baptized right, right? You've heard that before, am I right? You've heard that before. You can't be taught wrong and baptized right. So if you were taught wrong, and when we say taught wrong, that means y'all church, you guys, have women doing this, you have instruments doing this, you have that, you do this, you do that. So if all of that is wrong, your baptism is wrong as well. And you need to redo that. You know, I have a story. I was (laughs) at this Church of Christ in Arkansas with Mary. We were just visiting this church, and uh, nobody knew us. They didn't know. uh, So we went to this church, Church of Christ. We sat in the front row of the church, and I remember somebody came up to us and said, you know, you can't sit on the front pew. That's reserved for the leading men of the congregation." I didn't say anything, so I got up and went to the second pew, right? And then they said, well, the second pew is actually for the men who are going to be serving on the table that day. I said, what? okay, so I'm going to the back. Went to the back, right? Back in the back. And then someone was talking to me, and over the course of the conversation, this person said to me, uh, have you been baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins? And I said, I, I have. And they said, really? Tell us about your baptism. So I was getting a quiz, Right? And I'm thinking to myself, I grew up in the church of Christ. I know, what are you talking about? They were trying to baptize me as the preacher, right? But that's what we do. But I appreciate that because it shows our seriousness when it comes to baptism. I I get it. But what I love about our church is typically what we do is we embrace and we welcome everybody. And when they say, you know, I've been immersed in the Christ, we say, okay. We may ask a couple of questions, right? But generally, we accept people. And I appreciate that. Because the scripture says the Lord knows who belongs to him, <laughs> right? The Lord knows. We may not understand that. Anyway, let's continue on. But Matthew chapter 28, 19 to 20. But here's what we do know. The Lord commands his disciples to go teach and to baptize people. Here's what it says. We know this text. This is the Church Christ anthem, right? Um, it says here, "Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Here's what we do know about baptism. As disciples of Jesus Christ, Scripture tells us that we have this charge to go and make disciples and to baptize other people. So we have this responsibility. We have this responsibility to teach and to share, and to talk about baptism, and that's what we do as a church. The reason why you're a Christian today is because someone told you, right? So we have this obligation to go tell other people, and to baptize, and Jesus calls his disciples to preach and to baptize, and everybody who wants to be obedient to the will of God should be baptized, right? It's crystal clear. If you want to serve the Lord, if you want to be right with God, you must be baptized, It's simple. It's not that hard. It's not that complicated. It's easy to understand. But sometimes we we make it into this complicated, you know, thing. Uh, And I've heard people say this, I I really don't understand the nature of the church yet, or I don't understand God, or I don't understand this, or I'm so full of sin that God would never accept me. No, just keep it simple. You want to follow God? Get baptized, right? If you love your significant other, marry them, right? It's simple. It's not that complicated, right? It's easy. So everybody, in my opinion, should be baptized into Jesus Christ. Well, why is that? As we close, lastly, because of this, Romans chapter 6 and verse number 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, G- uh, that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If you don't have the scripture underlined or highlighted in your Bible, which you already do because you're good Church of Christ folk, this is a good one, right? This is the one you need to be sharing with your neighbor, your family, and your friends. We were therefore buried with him. Like I said earlier, baptism is symbolic of dying to our old self or our old ways. We put them to death through baptism. And that's why I love this, right? You guys have seen this at churches before where someone's being baptized and they go, bye, Sam. I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, what is going on, right? It's kind of awkward. But we do that. Bye, Jim. Bye. See you later. Bye-bye. And I like that because what we're saying is that old self is, is done away with. It's gone. And when you come out of that water, guess what? You're a brand new person. and We get to live a brand new life. And that's why baptism is so special and so important. So as we close this morning, I hope uh, we've just made it simple for you and and simple for you to communicate to other people because I know you know this material very well, right? I'm preaching to the choir this morning when it comes to baptism. But there may be one or two of you here that are new to the Churches of Christ, new to our fellowship, kind of don't understand how we do things and why we do things. I want to make this very simple, very clear. You need to be baptized in order to feel, fulfill righteousness, in order to do what God wants you to do. And if you hadn't been baptized this morning, you ought to be baptized. And if you look at that checklist and your baptism wasn't the proper baptism that we described this morning, I would encourage you. We got water ready behind this, uh, this bench right here. We got some water there. It's our mikvah. I like using that word, Gary. It's our mikvah. You can come forward and we'll baptize you into Christ today so that you can live a brand new life. We have a song of invitation selected this morning. If there is anyone here that needs to respond to the message, especially by putting Jesus Christ on in baptism, this invitation is for you. If there's someone here who's been neglecting the calling of God in their life and been living a lifestyle of sin, and you know better, this invitation is for you as well. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing a song of invitation?